Okay, take two. No Madonna microphone. So we have been talking about, well, crushing the chatterbox. Now, if you have not been here at Elevate or if you've just kind of missed a few weeks, I would highly recommend head to our website and download the podcast of the previous weeks because it is fantastic. Mark has done an incredible job at actually communicating some of the things that are actually causing this chatterbox to be nattering in our brain and allowing us to kind of just not have a clear, peaceful mind to be thinking about what is really good and what is right. This morning, I'm going to get straight into it. I'm going to be talking about discouragement, the chatterbox of discouragement. Yeah, we all know that one, don't we? That's a really, it's a little one, but it becomes a huge one over time. See, discouragement is something that we face every day, some of us. It's definitely a part of our chatterbox that goes on in our head. See, discouragement can come in so many forms. It can come in a job that you didn't get, in a relationship that didn't work out, or in a fitness journey that you had started but didn't quite work out the way you thought it would. See, for me, discouragement came quite young in my life. I love dancing. And so when I was little, my mum booked me into doing dance classes. And I did them all. I did jazz, tap, acro, all of it. But the one thing I loved the most was ballet. Loved and I wanted to be a ballerina like you wouldn't believe I wanted to be a ballerina. Wearing the tutu, the shoes, the everything. I was dying to get onto On Point and Point are the pointy shoes that I was dying to get onto those. And I thought, oh, if only, you know, I just, I will be reaching the pinnacle of my life if I get on point. That is what I need to do in my life. Anyway, so I would practice and practice, practice. And then I remember the day my dreams were crushed, crushed. See, without going into technical stuff, you need good feet to be a good dancer. You can work at it to make them better, but if you don't have higher arches, and not that I'm flat-footed, but I tend to not be as pronounced. I didn't have a really good point on my foot. So this teacher told me, you're never going to be a good dancer. You don't have the feet. Oh, my God. (laughs) Cried my eyes out. I was devastated, absolutely devastated, because that's all I wanted to do when I was a little girl. Now, I continued to dance, but the whole time, I knew I was never going to be a prima ballerina. I knew knew that, but I thought, I'll give it a go as best I can. And whenever I would be dancing or wherever I'd be on stage, it was this constant, you don't have the feet. You don't have the feet. You don't have the feet. You're never really going to be as good because you don't have the feet. And it would just be this mantra that would go on and on and on in my brain. I still did it but I lost a bit of the joy of actually doing the thing that I really, really, really wanted to do. (laughs) So, well, what do we do when we're faced with discouragement? What happens? Well, you see, frustration is the gap between what we expect and what we experience. We did this series last year this is another series that you can go to our website and download the podcast. It's incredible because it gives us a picture of what actually happens and what's going on in our emotional world. See, much of life is lived in this gap 
when we are in the discouragement state, the expectation gap seems so hard. Am I ever going to shake this? Is this circumstance ever going to change? Everything is so hopeless. That's the script that goes on and on in our brains. Well, what can we do when we're faced with discouragement? Like I said earlier, a few other things. Discouragement can come in the forms of something that you wanted but you didn't get. Something that you have but didn't turn out exactly the way you thought it should. It can come from failing. I remember the first time I failed my uni assignment. I just about vomited and passed out. I'm not even joking. I got the score and it was... I think it was something like I'd failed really badly. I didn't even think I was able to resubmit that assignment. I think it was something like you needed to get at least 40% and I don't think I even got that. And I had totally misread the question. And I thought I was clear. I'd researched. I did everything that I thought was right. I thought, oh, my God, I got this. I got this. I get the result back and I'd failed and there was nothing I could do. I just had to hope and pray that I was going to do better in my other assessments to pass the whole unit. And I remember I telling my, oh, my God, I'm going to vomit. I'm going to feel so sick. I can't do this. Oh, my God. And then it started. You're so stupid. You think you have a brain Are you intelligent? Are you joking? I don't think so. Who do you think you are? You're just a girl. Simple mind. That was the script then. And oh my gosh, that was a very dark place. Small thing, huge for me. And I had to fight. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Had to fight to get out of that space. See, discouragement is inevitable in life. And at times, we face it on a daily basis. The question I want to ask us today is not will you be discouraged, but what will you do when discouragement comes? Okay, let's look at this girl called Leah. Her story is in the Bible, and it's recorded in Genesis chapter 29. Now, let me give you a bit of a backstory about this chick. Okay, so there was this guy called Jacob, and he was told by his father, Isaac, that he needed a wife. But he was to find this wife amongst his mother's relations. So he went to his uncle Laban, and there he meets two women called Leah and Rachel. Let's pick up the story. Okay. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure. Jacob was in love with Rachel. Okay, so from that story, we pick up. Leah has weak eyes. Okay. But Rachel has a lovely figure. And Jacob was in love with Rachel. Okay, hold that thought. The thing is... In the Hebrew culture of the time, Leah being the elder sister, so Rachel younger, Leah had to get married first. Now, Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, who was the younger sister. Now, that's kind of not the done thing. You need to get the older one married first. So, 
Laban knows this and kind of presents an opportunity where he somewhat tricks Jacob and presents Leah, the older sister, which now results in them having to get married. You can read between the lines. So Jacob is not a happy man because he wanted to marry Rachel. So to cause a little bit of just calm down everybody, Laban decides, you know what? Stay with Leah, let the marriage week pass, and then I'll present to you Rachel. So after a week, Rachel is also married to Jacob. I won't go there. You work it out yourself. I'm moving right along. Let's just say this story in some ways has a rival with Bold and the Beautiful. Okay. Now, imagine being Leah. The disappointment that she would be going through, that she would be experiencing. Like, think about it. Well, my husband doesn't love me. He actually loves my sister. Wouldn't you feel a little inferior? Wouldn't it be a bit weird being married to the same man as your sister and feeling so inadequate because you weren't the one he actually wanted? Let's pick up the story. When the Lord saw Leah not loved, he enabled her to conceive. But Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Well, what a great picture this is, don't you think? Wow, even God saw that she wasn't loved. And she was able to conceive Rachel wasn't pregnant. Totally, husband love me now. And, you know, more than that, if I have a son, Lord, if I have a son, he's totally going to be just completely in love with me. I know it because that's the rules, isn't it? Because in Hebrew culture, to have your firstborn a son, well, you have reached it, you have arrived. So this is what Leah's prayer is. You know, this is it. Okay. See, she wanted the love from her husband and she thought being pregnant and giving birth to a son would achieve this. Hmm. So the story tells us she has a boy, so surely Jacob's in love with her, right? Let's keep reading. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord has heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived. And when she gave birth to another son, she said, Now, at last, my husband will be attached to me because I have bore him three sons. So he was named Levi. So, it appears that didn't quite work the way Leah was kind of thinking. I mean, 
after three sons, come on, surely, seriously, throw the woman a bone, Jacob, three sons, not just one, many sons. And that is an even bigger deal in the Hebrew culture that you were able to provide your husband with three sons. Surely she's got this. Surely he will love her now. But that didn't really seem like the case, did it? A side note, this is a whole other topic for a whole other message, but when we put our hope in a person instead of God, it can be a very dangerous place to be. Close bracket. See, Leah is faced with a really hard situation. Imagine her chatterbox now. You're useless. You're unlovable. Yeah, good on you. Three sons, whoopee. That doesn't mean anything because clearly he still doesn't love you. He loves your sister. So just surrender the fantasy, honey. You're never going to amount to anything. You're not good for anything. So suck it up. She has been on the same treadmill hoping and trusting but being disappointed every single time. Her expectation was the love from her husband, but he was in love with Rachel. Let's continue. Leah conceived again, and she gave birth to a son. Stop there. This time, she has something different. She changes her approach. She draws a line in the sand And she says, this time I will praise the Lord. She named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. I'd be praising the Lord because after four children, mamma mia, boys or girls. So, okay, my question to you today is this. What are you, me, what are we going to do this time? See, Leah struggled with discouragement since her wedding day. Through having children, she she struggled with discouragement. It was a perpetual state of being for her, dealing with the same problem over and over and over until she said, this time I will praise the Lord. This time I'm changing the circumstances. This time I'm changing my approach. This time it will be different. Leah's discouragement was in a person, and it can be the same for us. Hey, think about that person, that family member or friend that let us down, that wasn't there for us, that didn't treat us right, that wasn't growing up with us. It could be an event, lost a job, an illness, a failure of some sort. It can be something big or something small. See, for me, the big things are okay. Like when something big kind of happens and it's a massive discouragement, I'm actually okay with that because I know I don't have the tools to deal with it. So I automatically go, God, oh my God, please let me have your wisdom. Let me have your grace. Let me have your mercy. I'm not sure what to do. Can you help me, please? It seems a bit easier, but what kills me is the small things, the little drops, like Chinese water torture, like drops. Drop. You're useless. You really think you're going to get that job? She's smarter than you. 
She's taller than you. She's not Italian. She doesn't talk as much as you. It's true. The small things can take my focus off God and put them onto the situation and distract me from what my purpose is. So what do I do? I have access to to some three simple tools that I do. Now, there could be a thousand that you can do, but I have access to three, and I'm going to share those three with you today. If you apply them, you might find that this chatterbox of discouragement tends to decrease and the chatterbox of positivity and encouragement can increase. So, my question, what are we going to do this time? How am I going to find trust again, believe again, have hope again and faith again? Now, before I go on and we list those three incredible things, two things. This morning, please hear me. I am not going to say that what you're going through is not important or significant. So please understand, these things will think, I'm not simplifying your situation. I'm not saying, well, just do this and your life will be sorted. No. Because discouragement does come. But my hope and prayer is that through these three things, that you will have an opportunity to live a life of freedom and a peace in your mind that will surpass any situation that comes in your life. They're the tools and the arsenal that I want to prepare you with, that I want I equip myself with, along with you, to be able to go, when this happens, what do I do? Big or small? Serious or not, how am I going to navigate this time? All right, let's start. If you're taking notes, go for it. If not, stop feeding the chatterbox. First one, stop feeding the chatterbox. Okay, what does that mean? We can't really stop the chatterbox from whispering to us but we can stop feeding what causes that chatterbox to rise up in our lives. What is that thing that feeds that chatterbox in your life? And I'm going to propose some questions like, what's, what are you watching? What are you reading? Who are you hanging out with? What are you listening to? Music, that kind of stuff. Those things have the potential to either decrease the chatterbox or increase the chatterbox. When you walk away or leave that situation or stop listening to that music or finish watching that program, what is going on for you, for me? How do I feel? Am I feeling positive, encouraged, uplifted, excited, or am I feeling negative, sad, depressed, discouraged, worse off? Only you can answer that question for yourself. I'll share a really quick story. I have had, I have a girlfriend of mine, and she still is a friend of mine, but I was finding that whenever I would hang out with her, I would walk away feeling so depressed and discouraged and sad 
that it would be like a day for me to get over it because it would just be her approach to life didn't align with my approach to life. And I only noticed it after the pattern kind of revealed itself that every time we got together, this is how I would feel. So then I went, aha, grasshopper, I need to do something about this. So what I started to do is keep my interaction with her because she's a great chick and I don't want to cut her out of my life, but I needed to manage me. So I would do short, sharp stuff, quick telephone call, quick coffee and keep the conversation contained to the way I wanted to navigate it and then go because she's a great girl and she's got some, you know, stuff that she's going through, but I was letting that determine how we would respond and interact together than the other way around. So that's an example of possibly something that we might need to consider in our lives about what is actually feeding us in a positive way or what's taking from us, leaving us completely just discouraged. Okay. The second one. Oh, I'll come back to that because that was good. Okay. The second one. Shut the chatterbox by focusing on others. Shut the chatterbox by focusing on others. Find someone to help. Get involved in an Elevate group. Join a team. Make a contribution. Take the focus of ourselves and put it onto someone else. The chatterbox will quickly weaken and you will actually feel a whole lot better and you get so much in return. See, if I'm having one of those days, those days where this cycle is going on and on in my brain, I think, right... I don't want to dwell on this. It's something that I need to probably practically sort out, but I don't want the emotions to kind of suffocate me. I think about like this. I'll go and buy one of my colleagues a bunch of flowers just because, or I might go and buy a coffee round if I can, or I'll encourage someone else. I work with teenagers, and, you know, they're very unforgiving at points, and sometimes I'll go, your glasses look great on your buddy. Thanks, miss. And I go, oh, or I might, just whatever it is, I start thinking about how I can serve someone else and take the focus off me and put it onto something else or someone else. And very quickly, my problems didn't seem as bad as they initially were, or my discouragement starts to kind of decrease and this encouragement completely increases. See, Give yourself the opportunity to take the focus off yourself. Okay, the third one. Who's speaking louder than the chatterbox in your life? Do you have people in your life that are your cheerleader, that are your encourager, that put courage into you? Again, if you're having one of those moments or one of those days, who can you call to talk to? Who can you go to saying, listen, I need a bit more than this because I am just spiralling out of control with this and they have the positivity to bring you back to what's real. I do. I have my family and my friends, but I also have this another little 
kind of tool in my kit, and it's my Elevate group. I love meeting with my Elevate group because I am surrounded by a group of people who are truly wanting the best for me, that want to get alongside me and encourage me with life. When I'm down, they're strong. When they're down, we're strong. And it really helps me navigate life and breed a culture that aligns with God's word, aligns with the truth, and combats this place of just darkness. There's a real light in that space. Now, we are actually launching our Elevate groups next month. So if you are interested, can I encourage you please register through our website your interest and we'll, you know, connect you in somewhere somehow. Because I can't stress enough, as much as we gather here on a Sunday, which is awesome and we just know that it really does something great for our hearts, connecting in with a small group helps us walk alongside people to encourage us and be our biggest cheerleaders in life. That is just a key that just completely grounds me and roots me into something where I know is bigger than myself where they can allow me to draw on their strength and their knowledge and their courage. I love it. So the final thing, and it was kind of, this is like a three and a half. And this is the biggest bit that I wanted to talk with you about before we wrap up this, uh, this morning. You know, at times, shutting the chatterbox is only something you can do. You live with you. And really, you have the opportunity to change your situation almost instantly. No, 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 let me qualify. Not your situation, your response to a situation. Instantly, you have the power to do that. And I'll tell you how that works. You have the opportunity to say quite openly and honestly, this time I will, dot, dot, dot. Yes, praise the Lord. But it can be, this time I will walk away. This time I won't watch that TV program. This time I won't spend a lot of time with that person or this time I need to not have them in my life right now. This time I won't go to the pantry and eat that block of chocolate when I'm discouraged. This time I will praise the Lord. This time I will choose a better option. This time I will dot, dot, dot. For me, there are three things that really stand out. When I'm in that space, one of the things I do is I go do a bit of exercise and listen to music. I, I don't allow myself to be in silence too much because then my brain starts to go crazy. So to switch it off or get out of it, I have to do something. So I'll crank some music that I really love and I'll listen to that sing my guts out in the car or along the road when I'm running or whatever. I do something else. Second thing I do is I get together with a great girlfriend and grab a coffee. And just have a chat and we chat about life and stuff. Not dwelling on the problem, but being future focused. The third thing I do that is the most important thing that I do that I can encourage you to do is a, lot, a while back, 
Now, before I go in any further, what I'm going to show you may very well change your life. It's called Prayers for Spiritual Growth. I found it years ago. And it's just a really simple one-liner, two-liners of promises that God presents to us through the Bible. Now, because we want to help you achieve the best approach and result in your life, we have uploaded these on our Facebook page and they're going to be live. They were live from 10.30. So if you're interested in this, I suggest go onto our Facebook page, download these and keep them as a guide because they have saved my life literally. And I'll explain what happens. So if I'm thinking something or something's going on in my brain like this, Um, I'm pathetic, I'm useless, I'm never going to achieve dot, dot, dot. This is literally what I do. I go, no, that is not true. Now I've got these programmed in my phone. So they're there whenever I need them, wherever I am. I remember most of them now by heart, but at the time I didn't. And rather than believe that lie, I'm pathetic, useless, and I can't do anything, I go, no, in actual fact, the truth is, I know the greatness of God and the power he has in me. And that's directly from Ephesians. And that is directly from this sheet. And I will keep reciting that until I start feeling like, yep, the power in me, God's power is in me. He strengthens me. He has his power in me. I am not useless. I'm not pathetic because the truth is this. And I will keep speaking it over my life. Sometimes it's audible if I'm, you know, it's, it's okay to be, you know, in a space where, you know, people don't think you're weird. Or it'll just be in my mind because, you know, you are in a public place and it might be a bit weird to be, you know, on the train or something going, I am strong in God. He is my Lord and everything I do comes through him and in him and I'm greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Amen. They're like, whoa, honey, just back up on the caffeine. Stop right there. Maybe not on the train, but at home, go for gold. And I do. If you are on the train, it's quietly to yourself. And I will do that throughout the day. Now, thankfully, as time has gone on in my life, that kind of clutch for that to replace it with a truth has decreased because as I have done it earlier on in my world where it was like bombarded with all these lies and discouragement and I would like every five seconds I'd be quoting another thing and another thing and another thing, the script that started to transform in my life was more about what God's truth was saying to me. And that was something that was naturally starting to occur, but I had to work. I had to put it in first so I could draw from what was real and decrease what was not real. That's how God's word works. It is life. It is breath. It is real. It is true. If we get a grip of the reality of of what God says about us, there will be no stopping us because the, the words that he speaks are life and electric. They have power, as do the words of the lies have power. My question to you this morning is what script do you want going on in your life? Life 
giving words or death giving words. I know which camp I'd rather be in, that's for sure. So today, I know that I'm not as eloquent as Mark and I know that I don't have as many one-liners as he does, but what I do know is my God is true and I can absolutely sit here and say that he does absolutely meet me when I open my heart to him. He absolutely turns up in a situation. It may not change, but my approach, my, my, my thought process does and can. I have everything, everything in me to make my world a place of encouragement, joy, freedom, peace and positivity because I can choose to live in that space and God meets me and makes it all the more incredible. As we finish up today, I'd hate to miss the opportunity to do this. If you have never been in an opportunity where you have responded to inviting Jesus into your life, I'm going to be really quick and I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand and say, yeah, you know what, I have never done that. I've never said yes to Jesus and inviting him into my life. If that's you, I'm going to look in a second and then I'm going to pray for you and give you the opportunity to go, yep, love to pray for you because he's the guy that's going to help us through this chatterbox experience. He's the one who's got the answers and has got the, the best arsenal to be able to take what is negative and pour positivity on it and encouragement on it and true freedom and true truth. So I'm going to quickly look from the left to right. If that's you this morning, I want you to slip up your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Cool. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thanks. Anyone else? Cool, let's pray. Father, I come before you and I thank you for our hearts and the opportunity, Lord, for us to be opened and free with you. God, I thank you that you pour your spirit on us. And I thank you, Father, that as we do this life, as we journey through life, Father, that we hear your voice more than we hear this discouragement, this negativity, this just really dark place. Lord, I pray that your light shines greater and brighter over every person. In your son's mighty name, I pray. Amen.
How about we thank Louis this morning? Very good, very good. After a very brief technical and wardrobe malfunction, we got going. It's great. Hey, uh, next week uh, we're launching a brand new series called Consider the Source. It really revolves around the question, do you struggle to trust God with your bank account, with your relationships, with your future? And we've been talking up to now in the beginning of 015, we taught around David and Goliath and the story there, this idea that God can use us. We've been looking at the last few weeks, crashing the chatterbox, making sure we have God's word, God's promise, instead of things holding us back. But we're going to shift the focus next week onto looking at, you know, can God, can we trust him with our bank account, our relationships, our future, and it's going to be really cool. So we make sure you're here for that. Bring someone as well, of course. Now, the coffee today is, uh, is called Yellow Honey, and uh, I know, it just sounds good. In fact, it sounds so good that there is a guy here named Steve who is engaged to a girl named Renati, and she's half Aussie, half Indonesian, and he decided purely based on last week's announcement that the coffee of the day was yellow honey, that that, from that moment onwards, is her new pet name. Good idea? It's really not for me to say, but that's the bottom line, yellow honey. All right, so please enjoy the coffee. Make sure you make our first-time guests welcome this morning. Have a great week. We'll see you here for Consider the Source next week and uh, join us for our third Sunday of summer. <laughs>